This is The Widow Podcast and I am Karen Sutton, The Widow Coach. I'll be supporting you through the loss of your life partner so you can find a more positive way through your grief. I want to give you hope after loss and to know that when you are ready, you can create a meaningful life for yourself with the help of me, Karen Sutton and The Widow Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Widow Podcast. I have a very lovely guest, Mr. Boxall, <laughs> Tim Boxall. <laughs> um, you may well recognize the name if you are in Widowed and Rising, my free Facebook support group. Um, Tim is, is very active in there and very supportive and has very kindly agreed to come and talk about his loss, his grief, his journey through widowhood after his wife Val died just over a year ago. And I think what's really lovely is I find it quite hard to um, get men on the show. And I've had a couple recently and Tim has very kindly agreed to to come on and share his story and, and his experience of widowhood as well. So thank you so much for being here, Tim. It's so lovely to have you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, bless you. So let's start. Let's start. Um, let's go back and tell us a little bit about Val and and how she died. Of course. So um, we met um, sort of uh, we met at a nightclub, um, which sounds horrendously cheesy, doesn't it? But it was if you take a little step back from that. Um, when we both started work, we just went to separate schools. And we both went straight into work rather than going to university. And we got on a train, um, the same train, but two stops apart. So I used to get on the same carriage as her. And for the six to eight months or so, she'd either sit opposite me or next to me. Or And commuters tend to get on at the same point every day, don't they? So I used to see her. And then I moved companies. Um, and it was at that point, a bit later on, then somebody who worked with Val came to work with us. Um, she had a birthday um and was going to a local nightclub and she said um, a lot of my old work friends are going to come along and as my new work friends we'd, we'd been new for about a year do you want to come as well so we all went as well I almost actually didn't go because I'd been out for the day um and I said I'd drive and because I was driving I was picking up a couple of people but I said yes I would so I picked these people up did, did sorry did you know that Val was her old friend her old co- so you'd spoken to her on the train a few times no I didn't no I hadn't I hadn't spoken on the train I, we'd sit, we hadn't spoken on the train at all it's when you just sit there and you sort of and commuters tend to keep themselves to the themselves don't they and so we'd be looking out the window um and so we turned up to this nightclub um and you sort of people were mingling and i i think i stood next to val and it sounds terribly cheesy even more than a nightclub i said <laughs> i think i know you from somewhere which is a horrendous chat up line and she said actually i think i know you from somewhere and we got chatting and it turned out it was the 717 to london bridge or something along those lines um and then as we as she said i, re- I remembered that she had lovely hair and then she used to wear this really nice burgundy coat and she said um and we used to recite this story to emma who's our daughter and she said yes i remember you You had these bright yellow sony walkman headphones and a coat that made you look like inspector gadget <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah so, so first impressions obviously lasted um but yeah so we we, we I, I contacted her the next day um through the the you know the appropriate channels of ringing rather than facetime because it didn't exist in those days um and then it, that was as i say was that was history um and so we got together, um, got married, um, and then Emma was born in 2005, um, and we started dating in 94, um, got married in 97, 
And then in 2008, um, we'd only just moved house and she had um, cancer for the first time. She discovered a lump and got checked out and the doctors had said, yeah, we'll refer you on. And she got seen by the hospital and they said, yes, it's cancer. So they did some surgery. She had radiotherapy. She had chemotherapy. Um, it was then it was, I remember the, the doctor said um, it is triple negative. Um, and we then went through the rigmarole and all the horribleness of the chemo and the radio um, and came back the other side, um, you know, and you think, right, you've had your brush with it and that's it. You know, you've had your, you've had your one brush with it and actually you'd be okay. But then mid-pandemic, um, she was diagnosed again. Um, and this time, um, by the time they saw her because of what was happening in the pandemic, um, unfortunately, it had spread. Um, and they did quickly say, unfortunately, it's it's only treatable and not curable. So we were having the chemotherapy. Um, she was going for a regular basis on that. There was once when she had it and she had a massive allergic reaction to what she was having. It was the first session. And it was a bit like... Um, the scene out of Pulp Fiction where Uma Thurman has the injection to her heart and she suddenly sits up because she was given this chemotherapy and she had a huge allergic reaction and sort of went purple and passed out. And she said then the doctors and nurses pumped her full of steroids and antihistamines. And she said she suddenly went <gasps> and came back and they were all standing there looking and, but you know, she, but they were, it was brilliant. They were, I mean, they were fantastic throughout and they said, we can't give you this again. We're going to have to give you something else. Okay. So um, she had the, she had the chemotherapy um, and at one point she had to have blood transfusion so they could give her the chemotherapy because what she was having was just so powerful. It was just, you know, knocking her for six. So she had the chemotherapy, but then gave her surgery. And then that's when they found that it had spread and it was in 21 of 23 lymph up the side. Um, and then she also just found she was having headaches and uh, feeling dizzy. And that's when they found that it, she had a tumour on the back of her brain. So she had to go into the hospital on the south coast. She had a tumour removed by surgery. Um, they then carried on with more chemotherapy. And, and unfortunately, Karen, I mean, it was just what she had was just so aggressive. Um, we'd have, she'd have regular scans and they were great because, you know, the, they kept a close eye on her. But then they said two little tumours have grown in the gap where there was the big one. Um, so this chemotherapy as well, you just keep moving and moving and moving. And then we got to, um, April of 22 and that's when the oncologist, um, said, he said, we are in trouble because we are now running out of things to give you, which is working. The stuff we're giving you just isn't doing anything, unfortunately. So we had one more go, um, because she was always a case of, yes, I'll do the next one. She was ever so brave, you know, because as a lot of people listen to this, we know that chemotherapy is really brutal and it is horrible um it is a good evil because you are trying to cure people of cancer but going through it you know it's you know it's just it's just absolutely horrible so she had this other chemotherapy um and then we had booked actually to go to the Isle of Wight for a week at the start of August so we had a break um whilst we went there we came had to come home a day early because she just wasn't very well she's okay to start off with but as the week went on it was a very very hot week in August and as the week went on she just sort of got progressively worse. So we came home a day early and then the following week, which was the 19th of um, August, the oncology team rang because I was meant to take it down for a backup, uh, sorry, no, a checkup, sorry, on um, how she was doing. And the oncology team rang and they simply said, you know, the, the doctor was ever so kind, but he just said, I'm terribly sorry, but we have, we have run out of options. There was nothing more we can do. Um, she'd actually developed leptomeningeal disease, which is cancer of the brain lining um because she said her eyesight was starting to go she'd gone deaf in her left ear she was starting to struggle to swallow um she'd had actually it spread to her hips as well and so she had radiotherapy on her hips back at the start of 2022 to try and help her mobility and her mobility and she was she was you know she was just going downhill Karen it was just terrible to watch 
And so we'd been in contact with a local hospice and they'd been out quite a few times before to help um, and then managed to secure a bed. And then she went into the hospice on Friday, the uh, 26th, the weekend for the uh, bank holiday. And she was there all week. Um, and then the Friday of the 2nd is I would go over in the morning and I'd go and see her. And then friends would pop in in the afternoon just for an hour or so. And then Emma and I would pop back in the evening. Um, and then on the Friday we went in and she was unconscious. She'd been on a syringe driver all week, which is something that they give the medication. So the painkillers and everything she needs, and it just slowly feeds you the, the drugs you need because her swallowing had gone. I was, when she was here, I'd be up in the night, up and down, we'd, you know, trying to get paracetamol and liquid morphine and stuff, but she was just finding it ever so difficult. Um, so we got into the hospice and then on the Friday, the hospice staff, the, the doctors, I, you know, we'd speak on a regular basis and the doctors said to me, um, you know, you told us to get, to tell you to get people in when you need to get people in, well, you need to start getting people in. And I thought, right. And I think that was when it um, really walked me that this is now getting a lot closer and than it should be. And so I rang her dad and her brother and friends came over and she was unconscious all day long and her breathing was quite ragged, but she didn't look in discomfort. She was there. And the night before um, the Thursday when Emma and I were there, we always used to sign off with, yeah, love you, see you tomorrow, love you, see you tomorrow, um, and have a kiss and go home. So on the Friday, you know, I'd, I'd gone over, like I said. Um, and then in the afternoon, um, as the time went on and people kept coming and going, um, and we were all getting very upset um, because of, you know, you think, well, is, how long is this going to last? And lots of tears. It was, you know, it was just, just horrible. And then about quarter past, half past four, I remember speaking to the nurses and saying, think her breathing's getting a bit more ragged and they came in and they had a look and uh, her fingers and, uh, and they said yeah her fingernails are starting to go a bit blue and they said we think she's starting to shut down so I um, gave Emma a call and said Emma can you come back because she'd come home and one of my friends then gave Emma a lift over and I was saying to Val look she's only half an hour away she's 20 minutes away because you can use the, you know, the Apple phone I could see where she was coming over so she got over about five o'clock um, and we were there and I went out to get some waters and came back and I was one side of the bed and Emma was the other side of the bed. Then her breathing went from ragged and for 10 seconds it suddenly went really shallow as we were just sitting there and then she just stopped. Um, and that was, and I think I, I said, I think she's gone, I think she's gone, which looking back is just, I don't know why I was saying it. Um, but it was just one of those horribly, horribly horrible situations. It was just dreadfully stressful. Um, and you just you just don't know what to do. You are watching somebody for the last two years die in front of you, and then you're there when they die. Um, and it's just you just don't know what to do. No, you sort of you know your your mind is going in a million different directions. You know, Emma and I sat there for a bit, and then we came home. Um, and you just you just in complete shock. You just cannot fathom that this has happened. It's just it's just terrible. You know, you've it's and even now thinking about it, I. I and you just don't know what to do. And you think, you know, and I remember when she went into the hospice, um, the Friday before she went into the hospice and then she went in and I was talking to a friend and I said, I've failed. I've failed as a husband because I should keep her out. I should look after her. And I couldn't. So it was, uh, yeah. That must be so hard. That was difficult. It was very, very, it was difficult. Did she talk about the end and, and what she wanted? Did you have those conversations? It's one of those, it's, it's, it's an interesting one because, after she died, you're looking for as much help as you can do. Um, so I know, and, and signing up to your um, website, listening to your podcast, I found that, and I joined um, Widowed and Young. And I think I looked at the Sue Ryder website and Cruise for bereavement support, and you just you just reach out because there isn't that manual of life that says, 
when your spouse dies, this is how you'll be feeling and this is what you should be doing. Um, you know you have to do the legal things because they come along very quickly and you have your documentation that says, you know, you should be doing X and Y and Z. Um, but actually the other, the emotional part of it is, it's just, you know, you're just trying to struggle, walk through treacle, aren't you, about what you do and what you don't do. And you ask, you speak to your friends and you speak to anybody who's been through it. Um, and it's, it's, it's just difficult, but no, we didn't, we didn't talk about it. Um, I did say on the Thursday when she was in the hospice, um, that, I'm ever so pleased that we met together and, you know, I love you very much and you've been brilliant and don't worry, you know, Emma's, Emma's just an absolute, you know, testament to how you've been of how you, you know, how you've brought her up and how we've worked together with her and, you know, what a wonderful, um, you know, wonderful person she is. And she said, oh, no, don't, don't talk about that now because that makes me upset. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? You, you know, I didn't want to sit there with her earlier in her when she was going through cancer and say, oh, you know, oh, you could be dead in a year. Is there anything you want to do? Yeah. Because you don't ever want to admit that you're dying. And I think that was, that was the thing. I never, ever wanted to admit to myself that she was dying. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. So hard. And so that, that feeling of, of being a failure that, you, you know, you couldn't save her, make things better yeah. for her is, is, is that, that that's obviously not rooted in anything Val said to you that she wanted or didn't no. want. It's it's from within. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You know, as, as a husband, it's you know I should be you you protect your wife, you look after her, you protect your family, you do what you can for your family to make sure that they have the best life, and you do everything you can to to keep that going. And it's it's one of those things, and you think I've you know I've I've not been able to look, I, I can't look after you. Um, and you'd have to go into somewhere that can look after you, and you think I've, I've I've failed, I've failed as a husband, and you just felt a failure. But you know that that on on reflection now, um, and you talk to people and say, well, and, and I realised that she was she was very very ill, she was very very poorly, mm. um, and actually being at home, um, you know, it, it it just wasn't working, unfortunately. And she'd she'd said actually she'd said in when she'd spoken to the hospice initially when they were coming out because you do fill a form as what your um, requests are and she said she didn't want to die alone she didn't want to die at home and she didn't want to die in pain so she wasn't at home she's in the hospice she wasn't in pain because she was unconscious and she didn't look like she was thrashing around or struggling because she was done everything and she didn't die alone so the people who loved her the most were there and the people she loved the most were there so that gives me a bit of comfort now but at the time you are just you just don't know you just don't know what to do Karen you just feel helpless you feel you know this is this is the worst thing apart from anything happens to emma this is the worst thing ever Mm. and i don't i just don't know what to do yeah and who do i speak to to say what can i do because it's just absolutely horrendous absolutely horrendous yeah it's it's not talked about is it it's very difficult to talk about and and have these sort of open and honest conversations isn't it you know and 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 i think as well we're very led by the person who's who's not well who is dying and and you know you may have things that you want to talk about but if if you're not sensing that that's something they want to do or a conversation they want to have you you respect that don't you and and then but it's difficult when they are gone because you think oh should should I have said something should should we have had the conversations and and all the unknown I suppose is is very difficult but like you say you know, when we reflect back, it's trying to remember that we were doing our best yeah. with with what we had and what we knew at the time, rather than sort of berating yeah. ourselves. But well, I, I work with a couple of people. Um, one of them uh, doesn't work with me anymore. Um, he's he's left, but he's 
he's he's gone through it and there's a guy I work with who's also gone through it and the people at um Widowed and Young um who we meet up on a regular basis the local Widowed and Young because the the um one of the breast care nurses suggested Widowed and Young um because she said it's people who you can speak to face to face who have gone through exactly the same thing and you chat through with them and you know you you can speak to people and say I felt like this and I is that right not is that right but I felt like this and is that the way you were feeling? And a lot of people say, yeah, it's a bit like, you know, when Val was dying at the end, um, it wasn't that sort of moment that you see in films where the sunlight comes through the window and a dog jumps on the bed and, you know, everybody's like around the bed sort of holding hands and, you know, listening to nice music. It's not like that at all. You just, you just think this can't be happening and you just, and you don't know, you just don't know what to do. Um, and you feel lost really, you just feel absolutely lost when when you meet others that have been through something similar do you do you feel more comfortable talking to a widower so a, a man um than you do a widow do you feel there's a a difference in in your grief in any way or or how you manage that process of losing somebody you love as as a husband yeah, I, I think um, having the the contact with the couple of guys who have been through it um, does help because you understand from their perspective, um, and both of their losses were through cancer as well. Um, and you you speak to them, and then you realise that actually, yes, it, you're not you're not alone in this. Um, you are unfortunately part of a club nobody wants to join, yeah. where you have got guys who and and you know men are. And I'm probably the same. Men are dreadful at going to the doctor, aren't they? Um, you know, I, I went to the doctors uh, quite a while ago now, and they said, you haven't been here for a while. I was like, no, because I've just, you know, I've just a lot of the stuff, you think, oh, I'll be okay tomorrow, and you just carry on, and you don't then do anything about it. But actually speaking to them really helped. Um, and, and and speaking to widows as well, because you can talk about people who are in the same position. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's the thing, and it doesn't matter – how your husband or wife died you are talking to people who have suffered a dreadful dreadful loss and Definitely. they feel terrible and you can you can talk about things that you feel comfortable talking about with them yeah. and you know the little things and the little things that you realize actually were big things um yeah that's the thing that's and that's the thing that that even now and i mean Val died in september of last year but even now there's the little things as you're doing around the house or and it just wallops you out of nowhere because I remember her saying when she used to be here and um, we would talk and she said, she feel ro- I feel robbed of my future. You know, I feel robbed that I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to do that. But you always have that, and I guess this is the thing, I always had that hope that the next chemotherapy, you will be that 0.01% that it works. Yeah. You know, you'll not be, you, you, you'll suddenly, you'll improve, you'll get better. Um, but, but the thing is, Karen, the triple negative breast cancer is one of the most aggressive um, and it's just very, very difficult to treat. Um, and unfortunately mm. they couldn't do anything about it. They, but they were great. You know, the NHS were fantastic. They did everything they could. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's, you, it just, there's just nothing they could do. It's hard, isn't it? Cause I think we all have to have hope. There has to be something to hold on to. Yeah. Yeah. That, this is, it keeps you going, doesn't it? Yeah. And on the normality side of it as well, because you know, you still, I would still be working, um, because I work from home. I'd still be working, um, and still, you know, helping Emma out and she'd be still going to college. Um, and you know, my company were fantastic. My employer were brilliant. It was a case of you, you know, do what you need to do, Tim, um, and take what time you need to take. How quickly did you go back after Val died? Um, I went back and think she died in September. I went back, 
at the start of December, um, part time, and they went back full time wow. at the start of this year. Um, but they, you know, they've yeah. been brilliantly supportive um, because they, 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 you know, they, they, they treat you as a person who has suffered a yeah. life event. Um, which is what you have done. They were, they were just brilliant. That's amazing. And they still are, to be honest. They still are brilliant. Yeah, it's, and it's it's nice, you know, and everybody who I work with, um, although a lot of it is remote, are, you know, you build, you have your colleagues and you then your colleagues become your friends and they're all concerned about you. Um, and, and friends as well who are here um, have been brilliant. You know, they mm. they want to help and they want to do what they can yeah. to help. Um, and a lot of the time it's me just talking to them about Val um, and, you know, they would join in and we'd sit around and talk about her. Um, and you remember her, you remember her fondly um, and talk about the good times together because that's what you want to remember, isn't it? Um, but, they, you know, they, they have been brilliant. Friends have been brilliant. That is amazing, actually, because it's not always the case for people, you know, especially with, with work, but also with friends. You know, you can yeah. feel that you are surrounded by people that just don't get it. They don't understand. They don't yeah. know how to support you. You get through that first year and then they expect you to magically just be okay again yeah. and, and have it all together. But, of course, you're not. It's it's still really hard. But we, we kind of talked a little bit about, sort of holding on to hope when Val was ill after she died what was it that gave you hope in your grief in in those moments um one of the things that I'd always promised is that I'd look after Emma um as you do as a as a dad anyway whatever happens she's I'm always going to look after her but it was that you know she is my priority now um and when the team rang on Monday um sorry, Monday, rang on the Friday to say there's nothing more we can do. Um, I remember Val sitting down with Emma and saying, look, you've got to promise me you're going to be the best person you can be. You're going to work hard, going to do, you're going to really enjoy your life, um, you know, and you're going to go out and live your life. Um, and that, I think, potentially was when she realised that she didn't have long left. Yeah. Um, but and all the same time, I'm trying to keep it normal by, you know, you're doing the tea and the breakfast and the lunches and, yeah, you know, giving lifts to and from when she wants to see her friends and stuff because you're trying to keep normal life going. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so the hope is, I mean, I think I can think a lot more rationally now yeah. than I could at the time. Yeah. Um, and I found that, you know, just, just talking to people, um, talking on, mm. you know, the, your Facebook page, meeting up with the widowed and young and just talking to people about it. Um, you always get a slightly different view, but, you know, the people who have the widows and the widowers potentially give the same view, but your friends, you know, they, they will, like I said, they try to help mm. and they would do everything they can to help, which is great. And you do, you know, you do, you do take that, yeah. anything they can do. So, you know, they come around our house or should we do this or should we do that or we can go out or yeah. what, would, what would you like to do? What would you like to do? You tell us yeah. and we can help. That's them, which so is, lovely. Which is just really great. How, how have you, cause Emma, was Emma 17 when her mum died? Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, so how did Val's death impact your relationship with Emma did you come together in your grief were there times when you sort of pulled apart did you protect each other from each other's grief what did that look like yeah I think you know we 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 definitely have been closer um I remember the um the Sunday after the Friday um and I sort of made a tea um and we sort of I served it up and we both sat here at the table and just looked at each other and cried um, and thought we can't eat this it was you know and we would but we'd try and do lots together um and her friends as well um have also been great um and and Val's friends um Val's friends who knew me would and do continue to reach out you know they check up on me 
um, oh, you know, what are you doing? And are you doing this? And you're doing that. We did actually go on holiday um, earlier this year. We had planned back in 2020 to go as um, just as a city break to Amsterdam. And then Emma had finished her A-levels and she said, we should do something after my A-levels. And I said, yes, yes, what do you like to do? And you think of all the places you went as a family and you're thinking, I don't really at the moment want to go back to those. And we had, like I said, we suggested Amsterdam. And she said, well, should we do Amsterdam? Then I said, well, yeah, actually, why not? You're 18. So, you know, if you want to stop and have a drink and look about, you can do. And so we did Amsterdam for a few days. Um, and because it was because it was somewhere that Val hadn't been with us, it was different. Um, I mean, we must have said you know, hundreds of times, our mum would have loved doing this, and mum would have done this, and mum would have done that, and mum would the other, and smiled and, you know, and, and laughed about what she'd done. But there's always that tinge of sadness that she should be here enjoying it with us. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think, you know, we've got a very close relationship um now um she's at university so we speak twice a week on facetime we text every day um you know and she it's 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 nice that it has developed that way um you know and 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 it's gone that way rather than we've drifted apart yeah definitely it's just lovely and i and i think you know the fact that she continued with her A-levels, finished her A-levels, has gone off to university. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, that is that is incredible when her mum has yeah. died in, in the middle oh, of no. all that. It actually makes absolutely. me feel quite emotional. But I, I just think, and that's testament, isn't it, to you and Val and how you have brought her up and how you have navigated your grief and and what you have given her to make her the person that she is and she's she you yeah. know and and I say you know she's amazing she's clearly very resilient she's brave she's just awesome I don't know her but just from listening to you talk <laughs> I I I admire her hugely Thanks, but I know underneath all that is a lot of pain and heartache as well yeah. and I think you know I think when we spoke before what was really lovely as well, Tim, that you shared that when she went off to university, actually, and she started meeting the people that she was sort yeah. of with. On the same hall. Yeah, with. they were all going through stuff. Yeah, and this is what I said to her. I said, because um, we both had counselling um, after Val had died. Um, my employer offered it, and the hospice as well offered it. So I had, had counselling with the hospice. I had it with my employer. Um, and then, you know, you run through the sessions and you talk and what have you. Um, and then when she was going to university and, you know, I said to her, there will be people who you meet. I said, you know, there's however many is, however many kids go on a um, yearly basis and everybody will be fighting a battle behind the scenes. Um, you know, some will be in a probably a worse position than you. Um, and then when she was talking to me, she said, you know, this is exactly that's that's probably what's going to happen, isn't it? So mm. it is one of those things that, yeah, you you, you know that. And even even now, you know, I'm I'm very conscious, and I've always been very conscious that when you meet people on a face to face basis, somebody is going to be fighting something behind the scenes. Yeah. So just be just be kind, be kind, because you don't know what is going on behind the scenes in someone's life, do you? You don't. But yeah, she she's but she's she, no, she's she's settled in well. Um, she's having a great time, to be honest. Is she? She's having a whale, <laughs> yeah, she's having a whale of a time now. Is that which is which is brilliant? This is this is what you want, isn't it? You know, as a, as a parent, you want them to go and enjoy their life and it's you know and have a have a life have a really good life and the fact that unfortunately Val isn't here um is you know it always makes me sad because she would have loved to have seen Emma doing this she'd have been so proud um to see her go off and go to university and and just really really enjoy it 
Um, yeah. and, and that's part of vow that's always going to live in her, isn't it? It is. And, and I think it's everything, isn't it? Everything becomes bittersweet. You're obviously so proud of Emma and you're loving watching oh, her yeah. live her life and, and go after her dreams. And then there's the part of it for you. You know, you, you said earlier that, you know, Val felt she was robbed of, of her future, but now yeah. that must be your truth as well. I know you said that to me when yeah. we spoke because now, you know, this is a time, isn't it, when you and Val would have it is, it is. Yeah, had yeah. that time. And you do, you do, you do say to people, this is the thing, and you do say to people, you go through your, you know, you have your couple stage when you get together, then you have your family, and then as your family, you know, they grow up, they move out. Um, you're still involved in their lives, but then you have your couple stage. And I've said to people, yeah, you do feel, you feel very, once, you know, it, it's a raft of emotions, you feel very, very bitter and very, very angry mm. to say that, you know, the future that we planned, has been taken away and it's not through any choice. Yeah. You know, we've been, we've been robbed, robbed of a future together. Yeah. Um, absolutely. you know, and that's, that's, that's what, you know, and then you, and again, you shouldn't feel bitter, but you then, you know, when you go out into town or whatever, you walk around and you do see couples and you see families and you think that's what we should have been. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and that brings up all kinds of emotions, doesn't it? And the, the, the jealousy and the resentment and how do you navigate yeah. all of that, Tim? What do you do? with all of the the big emotions how do you express them i i try to do i mean i go running twice a week or i have been running twice a week possibly a little bit more um you try i try and keep busy as much as i can do trying to keep busy and focused on other things um i mean there are times when you can't um but it's one of the things is especially the weekends because the weekends now can drag so it's planning isn't it it's i plan as far in advance as i can do to see friends or to do things or to go out um because you don't want to sit at home and feel lonely um so you just i don't know i just try and keep a lid of them possibly um but you just try and do things to it's the distraction of doing other things Mm. um and 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 talking to people you know if you you go and see somebody it not so it takes your mind off it but it it gives you a different focus for it, if it doesn't it? A bit like work. You know, everybody would say, when you go back to work, it's you have to concentrate on what you're doing and it's a different focus and it takes your mind off it for a bit. But it's that, it was, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I was coming home from a day in London and usually you'd be on, you know, you'd be at the platform and you'd, I'd be texting back and saying, oh, the trains are late again or they're in cancelled or I'd be like, oh, no, how was your day? So, yeah, it's fine, blah, blah, See you at this time. Okay, do you want me to put the oven on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, that, you know, it's that whole thing, I'm coming home, you exchange your texts, I'll be home about seven or what have you. Yeah, great, see you then. And you don't. So, and you come home and you come home to an empty house and it's as you left it in the morning. So, it's dark, but the curtains are open, you know, yeah. it's, it's as you left it. And that is just another reminder um that you know it's it's yeah a a new life that I didn't want yeah I hear this so much in the community you know just the yes you can keep busy you can go out you can see people but actually coming home to an empty house being on your own not having somebody to to share your day with your adventures with yeah yeah and 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 the house is very quiet and it's it's that silence isn't it that is difficult to sit in but we have to it we we can't fill every single moment because it would be exhausting wouldn't it and 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 trying to find ways of comforting yourself in in those moments I think is is what's important isn't it and I've done a lot of walking so you go walking at lunchtimes essentially walking in the morning as well I'm just it's just getting out um so I go into the office twice a week now as well 
um, or try to go in twice a week to try and at least then you see other people. Yeah. Um, and which, you know, it's a bit of a social interaction, which is good. And one of the things, um, uh, one of the things I did do was read Richard E. Grant's book, yeah. which was a pocket full of happiness. Um, and I think it, that that's, you know, that's a, a truth, isn't it? Because I know, you know, sitting here, Val wouldn't want me to be sitting here on my own being miserable. Um, she would want me to go out and do something because the way I was, you know, one of the ways I was sort of dealing with this and whether it's the right or not, as I would put myself in the position, well, if I died and she was still here, what would I be wanting for her? I would be heartbroken even more so if she was sitting here being unhappy. Yeah. I'd be, you know, please try and do something on a daily basis that brings a smile to your face. And just because you have a laugh and a smile doesn't mean that you've forgotten about me. And likewise, I haven't forgotten about her. No. But you can, you know, you can be happy and sad at the same time, can't you? It's something that's always going to be carried. Yeah. Always going to be carried and always something that will be at the front of my mind. But I can still, someone tells me a joke and I will laugh. Yeah. Or something happens and I will laugh. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that's, I've forgotten about it. But yeah. I, it's, 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 I think it's just learning to live with it. It really. is. That's, that's what trying to do. I'm trying to, trying to live with it and carry it forward. And it'll always be part of me and it'll always be part of Emma. It's just how we can live to it. But like I said earlier, Carrie, you know, talking to people really helps. Talking to people who've been through it. There's the two guys I know um, who have been great. Um, and I did say to one of them, I said, you know, you, you do, I do listen to what you say and all the texts and WhatsApps we've shared. And I do read them and think, yeah, you know, you've, it's been really, really helpful. Yeah. Um, and people at work, you know, my friends um, and especially the widow and widower community yeah. where people will, you know, yeah. have you done this or have you done that or have you tried this or have you tried that? And it's, it's just something that you will, you know, you can, you can talk about and you can talk about freely. can't you? Definitely. And I, and I think, you know, we, we learn so much about ourselves, don't we, in our grief Absolutely. and yeah. and it takes us to places that we didn't know existed. Um, and equally, no. I think it reveals parts of us that, that we didn't know were there as well, because, you know, we, we have to draw on these parts of us, yeah. but it is incredibly hard. And, and to your point, I don't think it's something that we can do alone. We definitely find our way through with community and the people around us and, yeah. and that will look Absolutely. different to everyone, but you know, trying to, to manage it on your own. But I know it's, it's difficult to reach out and ask for help, isn't it? And, and yeah. I think I say this more so for men is, is my understanding of it, but how, how do you manage that? You know, in those moments when you're like, I just, I just need somebody I need to speak to like, do you find it fairly easy to, to reach out to people? Yeah, I, I, I do. I've got some, you know, I've got some really close male friends and really close female friends and I can talk to them. But at the same time, you know, if you're, if you're in a sort of a big group of people that you're not necessarily friendly with, I don't want to be sitting there and crying. Yeah. Um, because people start sort of looking a bit, I'm looking at my feet and I don't really know what to say because he's sitting there crying and oh, do, you some, do you want some beers, Tim? And you're like, well, no, not really, but it's, do you know what I mean? It's that sort of thing, isn't it? But, but for, like I say, fortunately, you know, my, my close friends and friends understand. Um, and being able to just simply, and I do apologize. I'm sorry. I've just unloaded. And they say, it doesn't matter. We'd rather you unload on us and tell us what you're feeling than you just bottle it up and don't speak to anybody. But it is, that it is that thing. It's, it's, you know, and then, you just, you know, you're very, very conscious of oversharing. Um, but I guess I personally, I find it that it really does help me hmm. to share the stories of Val. And when you, when you talk to people who knew her and knew her well, and you say, do you remember we did this? And do you remember we did that? And, you know, you can, you can remember it and you can have a smile. 
And Emma and I do the same thing, you know. Do you remember when we did this with Mum and did that Mum? And to start off with, I think that was quite difficult for both of us because all you can remember is, you know, especially the last few months of her life when, you know, like I said, she was she was just very, very ill. Yeah. She was very poorly and she was dying. Um, but now, you know, I look back and I think of the times in the past and I can, and I did actually, one of the things I did do, and I know if people have journaled it, but all these memories that would come back, the good ones, I just was filling an A4 book and writing them down as I thought of them. That's lovely. And turning the page over and just, just lots of them. And I've probably repeated myself, but it was a case. And I think I was, I think it was because I was afraid I'd forget and I didn't want to forget. Yeah. You know, there's, or, or, a, you know, your phone suddenly brings up a photo memory, doesn't it? And I think, oh, I remember that. And if Emma's here, I say, do you remember we did that? And we would say, yes, do you remember we did this on holiday or did that on holiday? And, or something happened that we would smile about. And that's what we're trying to do is, you know, remember the time mum and I did this and you laughed or you and mum did this and I laughed and, it's just that sort of thing, isn't it? It is. And I think that's such a lovely thing to do because especially if there's things that you've done with your person, it was just you and them. You become Absolutely. the, the yeah. sole keeper of the memories, don't you? Yeah. And, yeah. and and that sometimes feels a bit rubbish because as much as you've got them to treasure, there are pieces of the jigsaw that are missing and, and they hold yeah, those pieces exactly. and you yeah, can't. Yeah. So I think to to write it all down and, and how you remember it is, is just a really lovely thing to do because you know, memories do fade um, they do. over time. And the photos as well, though, I know we mentioned the photos as well, Karen. It's the the thing as well is, you know, you put a lot, there's lots of photos up. We've got, you know, I put more photos up of Val and Emma and I. But the, the thing which I find sad is that, you know, she'll always be 50 and younger. Yeah. There won't be photos of us getting older together. Um, there'll be photos of Emma as she gets older. But it'll only be that point in time and before and even, and then, to be honest, when she was having all her treatment and chemotherapy, I didn't really take any photos of her because, you know, she didn't want it and I didn't want it because, you know, she was having steroids, she's having chemotherapy. Um, and unfortunately, she looked like she had cancer. Yeah. And you don't want you don't want to remember that, do you? You want to look at a, a photo on a photo loop or a photo hanging up and say, oh, yeah, that was when we were on a beach somewhere or that was when we were doing this or that was when we were doing that. Yeah. And associate your memory. But then the other thing I think does get me sometimes is you suddenly get that, we were doing this and then you think, and I can't do it again. Yeah. That's what brings me down. Yeah. You know, I can't do that again. Mm. It's with that's, you know, that's the real sucker punch. And sometimes it, you know, it completely deflates me. You think oh, I can't do that again and I'll never be able to do that again. And that's what the difficult part is. But, you know, like I say, friends, friends are very helpful. Friends are, you know, well, should we do this and we do that? And they pull you through. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you just, you just try and, you just try and plan a bit, don't you? But I try and plan. I mean, I don't know whether what I'm doing is right, but, it's um well is there a right i don't find just try and find my way i guess yeah it's, it's doing what feels right to you isn't it and yeah. and and helping yourself have you have you noticed a difference in your grief that from the sort of going into the second year you know i talk uh, to a lot of people and they find the second year sometimes harder where the reality yeah. hits in yeah it's funny you say that actually i was saying to somebody yesterday then there was you know we were at work and we were sort of having a, a chat by the tea machine and um you know, they would they would everybody says you know how are you and how are you doing it i said well actually i think it's it's a bit harder now um because the first year is almost you you brace yourself for the first of everything don't you it's the first christmas it's the first birthday it's the first wedding anniversary it's the first this and then you get past it um and then it's actually well this is it this is it and you feel a bit sort of 
flatter yeah. I think yeah I've, this year I felt a bit flatter afterwards because especially as you come into this part of the year you've got Christmas on the horizon the days are getting darker whereas in the summer you know you have the windows open and you can hear things going on and that you know you could draw the curtains at five and that's it in the summer you draw the curtains at you know ten half ten and you go to bed yeah and now I draw the curtains at five I'm not gonna get to bed at five no I'm gonna you know and then right what am I gonna do to fill the evening so you watch films or you watch you know you just immerse yourself in mindless television yeah um or you speak to your friends and what have you but it's um yeah i think the the, the the second year i found personally i think has been harder because you know it's that mm. realize like this this is it yeah this is it the first is you know everything all the all the bits that the first year the blur now this this is my life yeah now. and i think that's the key thing isn't it and that's what i found in my second year you know like you get through all the first you do the first year and you think it's going to be a little bit better but actually you you kind of go yeah. this this isn't just a one year thing this is a lifelong no. thing yeah. this is my reality yeah. now and yeah. and i've got to try and figure that out and and that's tough what are you going to do this year for christmas tim and, and new um, year um don't know yet don't know yet um i'll be i will speak to emma i'm actually going to go and see her on um saturday um and so no doubt you know she'll she'll want to do a shop for her and so (laughs) dad turns up with his wallet well done dad and it's you know i'm gonna get all the finest stuff not the basics anymore so uh but you you do don't you yeah definitely that's fine i've done two shops this week um but you do you know but you, you, you but it's nice but it'd be nice to spend the day with her um I don't know yet. I'll speak to her and say, what do you want to do? Mm. Um, because it's, uh, you know, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I'll say, what do you want to do? If you want to sit in bed all day eating pizzas, we'll sit in bed all day eating pizzas. Do you, do you not feel that pressure to continue what Christmas was for you? Is it- you yeah, uh, last year we did. Um, and, it, you know, it is difficult, isn't it? Because it's, it, there's a lot of, I mean, I've always found, even when Bow's live, there's a lot of enforced jollity at Christmas, yes. isn't there? It's, you know, you look on the, t- everyone's having a good time on the TV, everyone's having a brilliant time, mm. um, and you do enjoy it, but it's actually, you know, you should be having a good time. But sometimes you think, well, actually, no, it's not that great yeah. sometimes, is it? No. Uh, even even in normal life, it's not that yeah. great. Christmas Day isn't necessarily that great. No. Um, and even more so now, and it's a really, you know, a, a stark reminder that you would enjoy yourself as a family, and there's some there's a person who is missing and you know then going back to what we were saying about this is it you know then i think to myself well for the next 30 years this could be it this could this could be how it is for 30 years and i'm sure that it won't be and you'll work to go through it but you do have these thoughts and think well is that it now is that it for the next 30 years this is how i'm going to feel yeah it feels permanent it does it does it feels yeah yeah, exactly yeah and it's you know it's it's when we talk at the you know when we sit in the widowed and young meetings um you know when people chat about their experiences and okay you know everybody's individual although there is that common factor of everybody is just dreadfully sad that their other half has died yeah definitely exactly way before their time yeah. way before their time yeah but just knowing that having that and that that understanding below the level it, it just brings such a sense yeah. of belonging and comfort doesn't it in a world Absolutely. where we feel like we're, we're maybe not that that well understood what do you feel what do you see tim now when you look into the future and and maybe it's too much and you don't do go too far into it <laughs> as yet but what what does that bring up for you when you think about what us ahead uh, i at the moment karen i don't really know to be honest i mean it is it is a case of still taking it day by day mm. um and people will say how are you doing so i'm just plodding on 
Um, but you know, you can think, um, you know, one of the, the guys I spoke to, um, whose his wife died, um, back in 2006, 2007. And he said to me, he said, it probably won't feel that much at the moment, but you know, the rawness does get less. Mm-hmm. The intense feelings get less. He said, you don't forget and you'll never forget mm-hmm. and you'll always carry it. But the, the, the sucker punches that floor you space out a bit. Um, and the, the rawness of grief sort of subsides a bit, you know, it's something you, you, you learn to live with it better yeah. and you learn to carry it better. Yeah. So at the moment, you know, I'm, well, you know, it's, it's a case of wanting to help Emma get through university and what she's going to do with her life. So you've got that focus. Um, but I, you know, like I said before, I know Val wouldn't want me to be sitting there being miserable. She'd want me to be doing what I could. Um, yeah. so it's, you know, and to honor her and, to for that sort of thing, then I would, you know, I'm, it's just carrying on. And I guess at the moment it's probably a bit too early to decide, um, it's a difficult one yeah. to answer, I think, at the moment. It's, you know, I'd, I'd want to say that I'd, my vision would be this, but at the moment my vision isn't anything. It's just really getting through yeah. what I'm going through. Yeah, absolutely. And and just focusing on the now and what works for yeah. you now and, and sort of that, that one step at a time. And as much as you know... Well, you don't know what you want, but it sounds like you know what you don't want. And, and yeah, so you, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, and it's the little things that you, you, we've just had, um, some work done to the garden and it's the, the, the other thing we were talking about. And these, these are the things that, um, that only crop up now, aren't they? If you're going to do a bit of expenditure, usually you'd sit down between the two of you and you'd sort of work out the pros and the cons and shall we do it or shall we do it? And then, well, actually that's all on me. So I'm hoping I'm making the right decision. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. And it's that sort of thing, isn't it? That you want somebody there to bounce an idea or should we be doing this or shouldn't we be doing this? And when Emma says, I'm going to be doing this, it's a case of, well, I think I'm saying the right thing by saying yes or no. I don't know. But the two as a parents, you'd bounce it off and say, well, I don't think so. Well, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Um, and it did actually um, crop up the other day when I was filling in a, a, a form and it says marital status. Um, and for the first time I put widowed. Hmm. Um, and that sort of Hurts. brings it home. Yeah. yeah it does and that's the like oh okay yeah um, yeah and then but then you have other silly things that you think about and um a bit like uh, who's my emergency contact number <laughs> yeah you know and you think oh blimey i've not really thought that far ahead but because yeah. usually you, you put your husband and your wife yeah. or your partner or yeah. whatever and i think who is my emergency contact number i don't know and i've got to think about that now that everything you know something happens who do I or who do you speak to and yeah. that sort of thing? So it's it's, it's difficult. It's those little things that suddenly you'd never ever think of, and suddenly you know you've got to be faced with that. Yeah, you? I know. And and like you say, it's those those little things, isn't it? The, yeah, which know, are actually big things. Those are big things. Yeah, exactly. The the big little things, as as they say. Yeah. So what what would you share with others, Tim? that are navigating grief. I think a big thing for you probably is, is, is friends and community and yeah, reaching out absolutely. and finding people yeah. um, because that's clearly been huge in your journey and still is. Absolutely. I, I would, I would say, you know, reach out to people. Don't, don't not speak. Don't be afraid to ask for anything. Mm. People, what I've learned is people want to help. Yeah. People have massive sympathy, massive empathy, and they want to help. They just don't know how to, because yeah. unless you've experienced it, you don't know how to. No. Um, but so, so you know, let 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 them be guided by what you want. 
and what you, you know, if you think, actually, can I just come around your house in the evening and watch television with you? Most people say, brilliant. We've been waiting for you to say to us what you want to do. Come around our house and watch a film or we'll go shopping or we'll go out for the day or we'll do go to the pub or we'll do X or we'll do Y, we do Z. It's, it's that sort of thing, yeah. isn't it? People, people want to help and your friends and your family will want to help, but they just don't know how to. Exactly. So I, w- I would say to people, yeah, you know, ask. And if you feel, you know, and, and the Facebook page that you've got, Karen, and other communities for widows and widowers, ask, you know, am I, if I'm experiencing something, is it natural to do this? Am I feeling alone doing this? Yeah. Most of the time people say, no, this is exactly how I felt at that period or even now. And this is how I got through it. And people share experiences of how you got through it and how you managed to work through some of the grief you're suffering. And that really, really helps. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you try and think, like I say, I can think a lot more rashly now than just after Val died. Um, mm. So, you know, you can think. And when you get those horrible feelings of guilt that, you know, I didn't do this or I didn't do that and I didn't do the other or the feelings that I failed, then you sort of remember, actually, you remember all the things that you did do. You know, the little, the, it, love isn't necessarily buying huge presents. Love is the little things you do on a daily basis. You'd yeah. sit there watching the television together. I'll be, if I mow the lawn, she'd make me a cup of tea. I would give her lifts to and from places. I'd pick her up. You make sure, you know, when Emma and her would go and see musicals in London, right, let's, let me check the train time to make sure there's no train cancellations because otherwise you've got to do this and I'll pick you up and I'll do this. And, you know, and then we book a table or a holiday together and that sort of thing. So it's all the, the little the little things you do on a daily basis, which is the signs of, the, you know, love because you have found, you found your person who you look at differently to everybody else. You yeah. look at somebody who is, this is somebody who I've, you know, this is this is my person for life. The two halves of us make a whole and that is who we are. We are a unit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's, that's the thing that, again, really hurts. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can't, you can't do that. And, you know, but you've, you've, you found your person, haven't you? I found my person who I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Yeah. Yeah. And do everything together. Yeah. And then it's, it's the unknown. It's the uncertainty, isn't it? Of, of what's ahead without exactly. that, but like, who yeah, am exactly. I? Where do I fit? Yeah. What do I want? Where am I heading? Yeah. What am I going to do? What am I going to do with my life now? Yeah. Big questions. Yeah. They're yeah. huge and they're scary and it's, it's horrible not having the answers, isn't it? Because yeah. we like to have the answers. We like to know where we're going. This is the thing. It's almost that, 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 you know, if you're not careful, it drops into a, the process, the the P word, let, everything's a process, isn't it? <laughs> you know, and the process is, and, you know, I think we mentioned before, Karen, I think I put it on a, a comment once was that, you know, when people are moving home, that a news agent has a row of magazines when people have babies, a row of magazines when people are doing this, a row of magazines. When your spouse, your husband, your wife, your partner dies, there's nothing. No. And you'd have to go hunting for it. Yeah. This is where, you know, this, these, your, your website and way and Sue Rider and Cruise and all the agreements are an absolute godsend because they are somewhere you can speak to like-minded people. Yeah. And it, it's that safe space, isn't it? And it's somewhere you yeah. can go and have what you're experiencing sort of normalized, validated. And, and it is, and it is the validation everything. really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I feel yeah. in this way. And it's the other thing we were saying, you know, it's the, I think I watched um, the Ricky Gervais yes afterlife um, yeah that's it um and you watch that and one of the things that he said i know it's only uh uh you know it's, it's only fiction but he said you know you miss doing nothing because you were doing nothing together rather than yeah. doing nothing on your own yeah and i think that's the, a big part of the life isn't it you know yeah. the, the things you did together as a couple 
watching the television, you know, just general day-to-day life, you know, are doing on your own. And that's what, you know, you're doing nothing on your own. And that's uh, funny enough because we had a, a session on sort of loneliness in in my membership last week, and and we were talking about that. And 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 it's true, you know, you can usually find somebody to do something with always, but yeah. finding somebody to do nothing with yeah. is is hard. That that silent companionship, that just yeah, knowing exactly. that yeah. somebody is there by your side, just. Yeah cooking watching telly sitting getting ready for bed sitting in the yeah, garden going for a walk a, yeah. com- a, com- a comfortable silence rather yeah. than uncomfortable silence. yeah and that's the thing isn't it? it's first thing in the morning yeah you're not here last thing at night you're not here yeah that's you know yeah yeah it's uh it sucks it sucks it, it does it does very much so yeah yeah, yeah. tim honestly you just you're, you're so lovely you have such a kind nature you Thank do you. and and you're probably very easy to support because because you are open and you do reach yeah. out and ask for help. And I know it's it's rubbish that it can feel like it's our responsibility to guide others when we're already trying to figure out so yeah. much. But actually, I think it helps us. If we can help others, it helps us to navigate our own journey and and stay connected and and not always easy to do but if if we can embrace that part of ourselves and and i can see why you are so well supported tim you, that's you very kind a, thank you a kind just, heart. It's, it's well you, you try to you know it's well what val always used to say um on a daily basis be as friendly as possible be as helpful as possible and do your very best yeah and i think if you live by that mantra yeah um you'll go a long way and that's what we say to emma yeah yeah. And that's what I try and carry on as well. And it is, you just, you just want to, you know, you, you know that others are newer into the journey. Some are older into the journey, but it doesn't change how you feel. Um, yeah. And I, I find talking about it as we've done for the last hour, um, it does really help because you can, you know, you want, you want to tell people about how wonderful your wife, your husband was, don't you? Because yeah. it keeps them alive. It keeps them alive. I also sometimes like to share what a pain Simon was at times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it keeps it real. I like I don't like yeah, to kill. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And there's things there's things I do and I suddenly I can hear Val's voice in my head saying, Why are you doing that? And talk like that. <laughs> like, you know, when you when you walk, say, outside in and you put your shoes on to go into the garden and I walk back in in my shoes and you trace mud through the kitchen, I think, Oh right, blah, me better clear that up. <laughs> it's so funny isn't it? yeah, yeah it is but it's it's the you know but that's the thing but that's what you laugh about isn't it you laugh about the silly things that you'd laugh at together exactly exactly that's what it's all about tim you have been so wonderful to talk to it's it's been lovely to hear about val she sounds like such a lovely lady who clearly lives on through you now and and through emma um which is 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 a wonderful legacy for her to have for sure and and i just appreciate you coming and, and sharing your story and and your challenges and and how you face them and and it's it's been really lovely really lovely i know it will help so many so well yeah. this is it isn't it and i'm conscious that you know this is one of the reasons why i reached out to you karen is that you do see a lot from widows but you don't necessarily a lot from from widowers um no. and you know it's it want to try and there are chaps out there who will hopefully be watching this and it will resonate with them yeah and, you know so and and do do what yeah. you can you know do what you can when you can and your friends will want to help you as much as they can do and, and this is you living by 
Val's mantra, isn't it? Like, absolutely. be kind, yeah. be helpful, do your best. And you just absolutely, yeah. absolutely done that yeah. and, and continue to do that. Thank and you. I think when we can help others, it also helps us find yeah. our yeah. way a little. Yeah, bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tim. Thank you ever so much, Karen. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to The Widow Podcast with me, Karen Sutton. If you would like to be part of a supportive community of people who understand your grief, come and join my free Facebook group, Widowed and Rising. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of The Widow Podcast. Podcast.